Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, it may seem like a bunch of middle-aged men talk toctic and snapple chat, but it's not. I promise. We've introduced a new InsureTech section to our website and we say, boom. Everyone says it's boom time for the legal profession with multiple business interruption court cases. It's boom time for meteorologists, said no one, as Cyclone Sayura smashes into the West Australia coast. And finally, is it boom or bust for the federal government before their latest budget as we watch for any news of a cyclone reinsurance pool? Hello, everyone. I'm joined by Terry McMullen, publisher of Insurance News. Morning, Terry. Good morning. You're a, uh, a technology specialist. Do you have a favorite meme you could share? <laughs> I could hardly be less of a technology specialist. <laughs> I find great difficulty just in contact and, and actually getting on to Zoom, Andrew. So I'm the last person to ask. Well, that explains that. I'd also like to welcome John Deeks, our managing editor. John, can you make us seem not as uncool as we uh, are? Can you respond do you have a favourite meme? Well, I don't look at many memes, but I, I did see one at Christmas time, which made me laugh. I'm quite a fan of the Die Hard movies, so uh, I saw one with a picture of Alan Rickman falling from the the building in Die Hard, and it said, "Christmas hasn't started until Hans Gruber has fallen from the Nakatomi Tower," which I quite appreciated. Very nice, very nice. Okay, so this week, for the first time in several years, we've introduced a new section to our website. In an insure tech section. Terry, can you tell the listeners why we've made this move now? Yeah, I, I think it's actually over five years, maybe more. Um, the last addition to our list was the professional. Um, John's been asking for an insure tech section for the past couple of years. And as I've illustrated, my knowledge of technology is such that the troglodyte within me just ignored him. But I'm well behind him in seeing the need for a, a section that acknowledges the fact that the industry's present and future is now inextricably tied to technology. What we want to do is cover the insure tech sector as widely as we can. Uh, we want to illustrate the changes that it's bringing to the industry. Insurance has been slow to invest in insure tech, but, but it's racing ahead now and we think it's important that people understand what's happening. Okay. And John, as is this uh, the uh, the first week, could you run us through some of the key stories in this section? Yes. Well, we've talked to thought leaders in the insure tech space and tried to pull out some of the key trends. We feature a report from Oliver Wyman that stresses that the greatest roadblock to innovation in the insurance industry is legacy systems. That may sound a bit daft, but large insurance companies are to a certain extent trapped by decades old tech that has become too complicated and too expensive to replace. As companies have grown through acquisitions, so too have the systems with bits tacked on here and there. Oliver Wyman says that the large insurers realise something needs to be done, but unfortunately it's not going to be a quick fix. We've also spoken to Accenture, which believes COVID has accelerated transformation because during the pandemic, the industry proved it can change quickly if necessary and in bite-sized chunks. Accenture also says insurtechs have a key role to play as insurers look to engage with customers on loss prevention. Our new section also features an article on the future of underwriting, outlines insurtech underwriting agency Blue Zebra's next step, and details insurtech Australia's latest project, a virtual boot camp run out of Israel, 
which is apparently a hotbed of insurance innovation. Well, we've highlighted yet another COVID-19 business interruption court case, and our analysis provides a handy summary of all these separate cases that are ongoing. John, just how many separate court actions are there? Well, of course, we've reported in great detail on the two Insurance Council of Australia test cases. The first, which dealt with the issue of exclusions referring to the now repealed Quarantine Act, went against insurers, but arguments are yet to be heard on a High Court appeal. The second test case, which will deal with issues such as the definition of disease, proximity of an outbreak to a business, and prevention of access due to government mandates, is heading for a federal court trial later this year. But this week we've also reported that separate to this, QBE has filed its own case in the federal court to test exclusions citing the Quarantine Act in relation to Victorian property law. On top of this, there are other cases involving a Victorian gym business insured by Hollard, a Melbourne restaurant insured by Vero, and the Star Entertainment Group, which is suing a group of insurers, including Chubb. So that's a rather long-winded way to answer your question, Andrew, um, but that's six active cases, and they're just the ones we know about. Terry, wouldn't it be better just to wrap it all up into one overarching test case? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Um... <laughs> I mean, we love lawyers. Uh, we've never we've never had any issues with them, but um, you know, it doesn't seem to make sense that uh, there's a there's a lot to consider. Yeah, look, the the nature and variety of the claims that have been made, even while they're focused around the the pandemic lockdowns, etc., um, and the policies affected, are, are very broad. Uh, insurers didn't intend to cover clients for a pandemic for reasons stated many times. And really, it's the court's job to cut through all the issues and argument and, if necessary, and it is in this case, not make an overall decision that's neither practicable nor fair. I hope that helps. Uh, Really, (laughs) there's not much more to say. This is going to go on and on. The ACCC reports that more than 14 million was lost last year as a result of payment redirection scams. Now, John, I'm a little lost. Tell us about this story and what it has to do with insurance. Well, is it just me or have the scammers really ramped things up recently? Uh, Personally, I've had very convincing texts, emails and calls in the last couple of weeks involving a delivery stuck in customs, my bank account being suspended and a technical issue with my internet provider. And all of them were scams. But what the ACCC is talking about here is quite specific. Scammers will contact a business with updated payment details for what might appear a genuine invoice. Sometimes they will have hacked a legitimate email account to make it all the more convincing. They'll often target junior staff and they're getting more ambitious. As you say, losses from this type of scam hit 14 million last year and the ACCC says the average loss so far this year has increased fivefold. The ACCC says businesses need to stick rigidly to payment procedures, even if a request appears to have come from a CEO or other senior representative. And staff should never rush a payment, even if an email creates a sense of urgency. As for insurance, businesses should discuss cover with their broker. Cyber policies are available, of course, but not all will cover this type of event, so careful consideration of all the issues is needed. Now we've had more weather-related mayhem with Cyclone Saroja smashing into the WA coast. John, what do we know at this point about the level of damage? Yeah, not a great deal, unfortunately, at the moment. Um, 
images coming in from Calbarry, which is a popular holiday destination about 700 kilometres north of Perth, are shocking and show homes that have been absolutely wrecked by this cyclone. Reports say about 70% of the buildings there have been damaged, and it's a similar story at Northampton, which is slightly further south. The area isn't densely populated, however, so while some people's lives have been turned upside down by this event, the level of insurance claims is still unknown. The Insurance Council of Australia told us they have a natural disaster specialist on their way to work with government agencies to assist impacted communities. I'm sure we'll hear more soon. Listeners will know that I'm an avid meteorologist, but uh, this was apparently the first Category 2 cyclone to hit Geraldton since 1956. Terry, experts have worried about cyclones tracking further south for a while, haven't they? Well, uh, it's not unknown for a cyclone to occasionally stray south. Um, In Western Australia, the the cyclones tend to track through what's referred to as Cyclone Alley, which is where the WA coast sticks a long way out into the Indian Ocean. Saroja actually skirted around that bit and then curled in further south, and that's mainly because of, of changing ocean temperatures, I gather. Um, you could always rely on colder ocean temperatures actually halting or, or breaking up a cyclone. We've published quite a few articles over the year noting expert opinions that cyclone, that climate change does affect weather behaviour and we can expect it to do so to the point that cyclones can come further south on both coasts. Um, wasn't so bad in WA. If you think of the old real estate thing of um, location, 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 it was at least pretty sparsely populated. Um, As you noted, it was the very first strong cyclone to hit Geraldton since 1956, but the oceans are warming and that's enabling cyclones to move in new ways. There's a really fascinating article in The Conversation by Professor Jonathan Knott at James Cook University in Queensland. and He says that there's physical evidence that shows intense cyclones have hit the area around Geraldton about 26 times in the past 5,000 years. (laughs) That's only 26 cyclones. So you can see that this one doesn't doesn't match up with with the exact statistics. The issue in all this for the insurance industry, uh, illustrated by the damage done to some quite new buildings at Calbarry that you could see on television, is about building standards. Buildings in the north of Australia, especially in WA around Cyclone Alley and north, are built to much higher standards than houses in the south are. And if we see more cyclones moving south uh, under the influence of of changing climate, ocean and and wind, that standards issue is going to become a hot one for us. Well, if all goes to plan, there's less than a month until the federal budget is delivered. And we'll be watching closely for any mention of a cyclone reinsurance pool. Terry, as we reported this week, Queensland MPs Warren Ench and Bob Catter were both feeling confident. But how confident are you? that they've got the inside track on this? Well, Warren Inch, at least, is nobody's fool. Um, And any decision that's going to be made to address insurance affordability in the North is is going to be a political one. The Liberal National Party needs those North Queensland electorates at a national election that will be called sometime in the next year. So, yes, I suspect we're going to get a reinsurance pool arrangement because... 
that's how the system works in Canberra. If, if Warren and God help us, Bob, are talking about it, then it's it's pretty likely, I would think. Um, it has been recommended in a couple of the multitude of official studies made on the issue in the past few years, although the most recent issue, the ACCC's three-year study, did recommend against a reinsurance pool. But I gather that report was seen as pretty toxic in Canberra, so it could well be that it's been ignored. And finally, the April-May edition of Insurance News magazine will be winging its way to subscribers this week. Uh, can you give us a few highlights of this edition, Terry? Yeah, the the latest edition of Insurance News is uh, is trundling off the presses as we speak. Um, our lead story is on insurance ombudsman John Price, or should I say, our cover story, um, who spent seventeen years in the business and working with the insurance industry. Um, I did that interview, and I'm I'm I was really interested in the way that he sees the whole. Uh, thing of adjudicating on disputed claims has changed with a lot more cohesion between the insurance industry and consumer groups. Terry, my understanding with uh, with that is he would he would only talk to you and no one else in the media, is that right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, possibly he trusts me. The, the process that they've built at AFCA now, uh, but, but which goes back through several iterations of, of claims dispute uh, organisations, is really moving to the, the emphasis on fairness over fine print. Um, so he's looking back over the development of an independent claims review system, uh, but he but he also talks a bit about the the future, and I really think that there are some aspects that he's talking about that really should be looked at by uh, by the industry quite seriously. We've also, of course, looked at how the Sydney and Queensland floods have once again turned the focus on the affordability of flood cover. Uh, that is going to really, I think, uh, rise up and bite us um, over the next few weeks, but nothing much we can do about that. There's also the whole issue of land use planning and the, and the impacts of flood on communities. Uh, we've looked at broker remuneration or the, or the government review that, that's uh, looking at broker remuneration. It's a really hard one because... The, the life insurance industry sales system has come in for such uh, enormous pressure and change over the last few years. And that's because it probably needed that change, but it's a lot harder for um, the broker remuneration system, which which isn't, it is a bit opaque, but uh, at the same time, it's working. So... It really is the best way to uh, provide affordable and ongoing advice. I wonder if if the fact that the the life insurance industry struggles to actually produce affordable advice will colour in some way this government review. Um, then we've looked at the the gender uh, inequality debate in the insurance industry, where we don't have a very proud record in that area, and. Um, 
even though that we can see that that women are rising through the ranks, etc., uh, really, are we doing a good enough job in giving all women a fair go? Um, and I think that's another issue that's going to run and run. Then we've we've done a, a very large report on underwriting agencies, looking at individual agencies, and also looking at why they are so popular and how important they are to brokers uh, in the kind of hard market that we're experiencing. There's quite a few more articles, but uh, yeah, it's a bit of a bumper issue when it comes to the issues that we've had to cover. Thanks, Terry. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Terry McMullen and John Deeks, who possibly after my teasing will not appear on this show ever again if I am. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.